appreciate. If you could help us just to help someone else, that would be much appreciated. Thank you. Just an hour, a couple hours of your time would be great. Oh, we'll tell you if you come and talk to us. Yeah, this week we're yet to nominate that, but great. So we'd appreciate that when it would suit you, uh, possibly would be a good answer to that question. <laughs> um, but thank you to all those. And if you still want to nominate some people, the last Sunday is this Sunday. Hey, look, um, Christmas services are only a couple of weekends away. So just be aware that on Christmas Day, which is the Saturday, um, the 8.30 Christmas Day service, uh, so come early, get a seat. Uh, we will have an incredible time as we just honor worship and uh, spend time, you know, uplifting Jesus, hey? Uh, and then, of course, on Sunday, the day after Christmas Day, it's straight into our Sunday Christmas service. It's just the one service, 8.30. So two services on Christmas weekend, Saturday, 8.30, Sunday, 8.30. No 10.30 service on the Sunday, just so you're aware. Uh, the, look, the last thing is uh, if you're interested... A very technical thing, but I, not that technical if you're okay with it and savvy with technology. Uh, uh, we have a guest Wi-Fi is available and you can just plug into that by just putting a, the password Port City. There it is, capital P-O-R-T, capital C-I-T-Y, easy as that. And every that time, once you do it once, every time you come to church, it'll automatically connect. So uh, how's that? Brilliant. I hope you're... Uh, um, is uh, hope you guys, obviously, uh, you are not traveling away. If you're traveling away over Christmas, safe travels. Uh, we come back next year, all ready to go again. Next year is not very far away, is it? So uh, we're going to be uh, warming up. There'll be some special things happening in the new year, and we'll let you know about that. Uh, we're going to just come this morning around God's Word, and uh, I'm going to invite Scott to come and just uh, share the Word of God this morning. Uh, it's, boy, if you're going to give him a clap, give him a good one. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Thanks, Scott. Morning, church. Give me a sec. Let me get all my bits together. Cool. Good morning. Well, it's that time of year again, isn't it? It's, it's as James said, it's only a couple of weeks of Christmas. where we're, And that sort of downward stretch to Christmas time. And as Christians, we know the true meaning, don't we? It's when God came in human likeness. The, the Word became flesh. The Son of God came to earth. It's Jesus born in Bethlehem in that manger. Emmanuel, God with us. But a lot of other stuff happens around Christmas as well, doesn't it? Everyone's really busy. There's all the Christmas parties. There's all the holiday planning. There's all the different end-of-year events happening. And there's the setting up of Christmas trees, and there's the lights, and there's the shopping. Oh my goodness, the shopping. So, so I hate shopping, but about four weeks ago, so it's middle of November, and I went down to Kinkora Shops just to get something, I think it was a Friday, and they already had the Stop Go Man directing traffic because it was already that busy, middle of November. And there's people inside all just rushing around from shop to shop, probably buying the latest doodad for some relative they only see once a year. But it was just busy, and there's people everywhere. And there's all the decorations, there's all the ornaments, there's the photos with Santa. It's just nuts. But there is one thing about Christmas that you do see in public places like shopping centres or, or out on the street, whatever, that does have some significance to the Christmas story. It's that nativity scene, isn't it? We all know it. It's the, that 
handcrafted uh, wooden cot with the, the little baby all wrapped up nice. And there's Mary and Joseph either side looking down. And there's a crowd of people behind. There's the wise men and there's the shepherds. There's a whole bunch of animals. There's donkeys and sheep and barn animals and things often. And sometimes there's a, an angel hovering around. And usually right on top, there's a, the cherry on the top is like the shining star right as the centerpiece. And it's all bright, it's all clean, it's all warm and cosy. It looks cute, doesn't it? It looks nice. And for many, that romanticised image of the Christmas message is all they know about Christianity. It's all they know about the Christmas story. And the problem is it's, it's not really right. It's almost wrong. At best, it's a partial truth. I mean, the wise men didn't even come for a year, maybe even two years later, but they're in that picture. It's kind of a partial truth. It's kind of why I, I love that whole nativity scene, and I also loathe it. I love the fact that we can display it in a public space and it's accepted, and we can, we can have it at a shopping centre and be, to us, a child is born. God has come into the world. But at the same time, the reality of the events around Jesus' birth were just so different. They were so different to what's, what's displayed. And I think sometimes it actually does a bit of a disservice to the Christmas story, to the Christ Christian message. So this morning, I'm going to try and draw out some of the depth and some of the wonder around the Christmas story, some of the, the, great, the greatness of what God has done. And we're going to look at the account of the birth of Jesus, obviously, that's the Christmas message. We're going to look at chapter 2 in Luke's Gospel. And I suppose this section is probably, in Luke's Gospel, that whole chapter, is probably one of the most famous um, depictions of that scene. And it's where we get a lot of that imagery for the nativity scene. But today I'm going to focus particularly on one part, one, part, one, one account of that story around some simple shepherds. It's an absolutely incredible story that takes place right on the night of Jesus' birth. So let me read from, from Luke Chapter 2, 8 to 16. It says this. It'll hopefully come on the screen. Yeah. Cool. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. So this morning I've got a screen up here and I'm hoping to sort of scribble all over this and highlight some things for you. Technology being what it is, we'll see how we go. That's my little disclaimer. But my first point this morning 
Point number one, the Christmas message is for simple people. The Christmas message is for simple people. So we read in verse 8, in the same region where Jesus was born, there were some shepherds nearby. And we know nothing of these shepherds. We don't know how many there were. We don't know if they were young, if they were old. Not even one of them is named. They're just a bunch of nameless shepherds. All we know, and all the Bible tells us is, if this works, is that they were shepherds. They were in the same region. They were nearby. And they were working at night. That's it. That's all we get. But it's to this group of simple shepherds that one of the greatest revelations in all of history takes place. These, these nameless shepherds receive the first announcement of the coming of the birth of Jesus. They become the first people, aside from Mary and Joseph, obviously, to witness the newborn baby. They become the first people to see God in the world. It's one of the greatest events that ever take place. This is the, the turning point of history where, where time splits in two. And it's announced first to a bunch of simple, nameless shepherds. It's quite remarkable when you think about it. These nameless shepherds are one of the most amazing events in all of history. And so then we read in verse 9 that an angel of the Lord appears to these shepherds. This messenger from God, this this um, person from out of heaven with the glory of the Lord shining around them. And they were filled with fear. They were terrified. They were freaking out. And you could understand. I mean, I think I would need a change of underwear if this happened. <laughs> can, can you kind of imagine it though? Can you kind of picture this? Some commentators describe it like this, that that they believe that this, this messenger, this angel, appeared suddenly, sort of some slight distance above them in the air. And that out of him, the glory of the Lord just shone out and lit up the whole surrounding. They're working at night. It would have been pitch black, and then suddenly this light just lit up everything. And they liken it to the rays of the sunlight on a bright sunny day, shining out. If that wouldn't terrify you, I don't know what would. But it's this angel of the Lord and this glory of the Lord that is shining around them. This is the Lord who is revealing his glory and sending his messenger who is lying in a manger. This is the Lord who is lying in a manger. Their first thought is fear. Their first thing is to be terrified. The glory of the Lord is shining around them. But the angel responds, no. The first part of the angel's message is, this is not about being scared. This is not about being afraid. This is not about being terrified. This is not about fear. The first thing he says is, fear not, if it works. Do not be afraid. Like I said, I would be terrified. Surely you'd be terrified. But these shepherds, they're supposed to be calm. They're supposed to be joy. They're supposed to be not afraid. How can this be? Let's look at what the angel says. There's these two reasons. He brings two reasons with these two grand clauses. He says, for behold and for unto. 
and then he gives a sign. We have these two arguments, these, these two reasons why these lowly shepherds should not be afraid while the glory of the Lord is shining around them. The first argument, I bring you good news that is of great joy. This is a message of joy. This is a message of excitement. This is a message to, to get excited about and joyful over. This is not judgment. This is not something to be afraid of. And it's a message not just for you, shepherds, but for all the people. The second argument, the second thing that the, the angel brings. To you, a child is born. In the appointed, promised city of David, a saviour, who is the Christ and who is the Lord. This is the saviour coming into the world. This is a message of rescue. This is a message of salvation. This is a message of rescue from suffering, from sin, from oppression. This is a salvation message. This is the good news. And this is why it is a message of joy. So don't be afraid. A saviour has come. He is called the Christ. He is the Lord. He is the promised one. And you can imagine these shepherds thinking, well, how can this be? You know, this is a, an amazing announcement, but how can this be? Well, there's a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It's not to kings, it's not to governors, it's not to the rich, it's not to the religious elite, it's not to the Pharisees, but it's to the lowly. These shepherds probably couldn't read or write. They're not leadership material, they're nothing special. But God's love in Christ extended to them that they would be the first witnesses of Jesus' birth. And I guess this shouldn't surprise us. This is the kind of God we serve. This is all part of his plan. But something you need to know about shepherds is in those days, they were actually quite despised by the, the kind of religious order, the religious elite. If, if they were, if the Pharisees were sort of on one side of the religious elite, the shepherds are on the other. They're on the outskirts. They're on the outer. And it's because that they couldn't keep up with all the ceremonial washing. They couldn't keep up with all those ceremonial religious acts to be cleaned. They were constantly unclean. A shepherd's life was dirty. It was a, a filthy kind of life. They're looking after animals 24-7. And I know very little about animals. But my wife grew up on a family farm and they've still got 2,000 head of sheep, I'm so I'm told. It's been, for generations, they've been looking after these sheep. And she was telling me about, even when she was growing up and working as a, a rouseabout in the shearing shed, someone who would go and do some of just the runabout duties, that even a week later, no matter how much you, you washed and you scrubbed, the smell of sheep would just follow you around for like a week later. And then she went on to tell me some other things about looking after sheep and just the kind of filthy, filthy, dirty work that it is. I hope you don't have weak stomachs this morning. The first thing is crutching sheep. She was telling me about this. For those who know, we're laughing, I suppose. It's where you remove the wool around the tail and the anus of the sheep. You, you quite literally cut away the dirty, wet wool around the crutch, hence crutching. 
And this is to stop the sheep from getting fly-blown, which is where maggots get in and burrow into the skin and feed on the flesh of the sheep. So there's one thing. I told you it wasn't nice. Mulesing is another one. And this is the removal of the skin to provide a more permanent uh, resistance against the flies. It's literally cutting around some skin around the buttocks where, where feces can be and, and attract the flies. They cut it away so that the wool doesn't grow back and it kind of gives a more permanent resistance. Now, that's not even to talk about drenching sheep, which is another thing I learned about, or even herding and, and moving and shearing sheep, or even these shepherds who would have to deal with um, breeding sheep and birth and everything that goes in with that. So let me stop here for a minute and try and explain, well, why would I talk about that sort of stuff? Why would I give you a disgusting story this morning? What's the significance for us? What it's saying is that you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be some religious elite. You don't have to be a Bible expert and do, you know, Bible college for years and know the scriptures back to front. You don't have to be some overly good person and righteous and holy and perfect to come before God. You can come in dirty, filthy, sheep stinking rags and come before God. You can be unclean inside and out. The only requirement is that you heed the call. When God calls you to come, you come. You need to just come before Him, and the only thing you need to do is be repentant and believe. God comes and calls these lowly shepherds and brings them to Himself. And this is a, a message, this Christmas message is for all. This gospel message is good news for all the people. So my first point, the Christmas message is for simple people. My second point is the fact that not simply is this an event for some shepherds, but it's an event with a revelation. Point two, the Christmas message is a simple revelation. Like I said, this is the turning point of history. This is one of the greatest events to ever take place. But it would have no meaning for us if God did not reveal its purpose to us, if God did not show its meaning. So we read in verse 12, that this is the sign to the shepherds, you'll find a baby lying in the manger. And like I said, we're used to that nativity scene, aren't we? The nice wooden cot all handcrafted and it's all, co it's all nice and warm and cosy. But history tells us that it was more likely a stone feeding trough, something like this, if you can see that. And what's your first thought when you see that? It would have been cold. It would have been dirty. It probably would have smelled. This is where the animals fed from. But then actually some archaeological evidence suggests that what we call the stable or the barn, or the nice house you see in that picture, was likely just a cave. And then the feeding trough was quite literally uh, made by carving a hole in the wall. So then what we call the manger was literally nothing more than a hole in the wall in a cave, something like that. You can see that's where the animal would come in and feed on one side, and that's where it would do its business in the other hole. The reality is that the manger that Jesus lay in, that the Son of God came to and, and God came and was born on this earth, was nothing but a stinky, filthy feeding trough. And what is God saying to us? 
What is God saying to us by allowing that to take place in the birth of his son? This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth in a manger. I think the terrible conditions to which Jesus was born and even the events that sort of lead up to his birth is actually a picture with a message. And not just a message for the shepherds, not just a message for the Jewish people of that time, but a message for us. It's a sign. It's a glimpse into the purpose and why Jesus came. He didn't come to rule and to reign. He wasn't born somewhere where he would sit on a a throne all laden with gold and have people around him at his beck and call doing whatever he wants. No, Jesus came to serve. But more importantly, I think this picture and those pictures that I showed before shows the reality that Jesus came to suffer. The Christ, the Lord, the Saviour coming into this world came to suffer. He came to suffer. He came into a difficult situation and I think that was on purpose. I think that was on purpose to show the world the kind of Christ, the kind of Messiah who was to come, the kind of Lord that Jesus would be. So as much as I know a little about sheep, I know even less about birth. My my limited experience is in the fact that I have an almost four-year-old girl, four-year-old daughter, and she was born here in town at Gladstone Hospital. And when she was born, we had an assigned midwife. We had organised a doula who was with us leading up to the birth and, and a little bit after. We had doctors and nurses all around. Everything was clean, Everything was bright, everything was as cosy as it could be in that experience. And when she was born, they already had a cot ready to go. Granted, it was a hospital plastic thing, but it had a mattress and they made sure she was wrapped up and she was, they, they checked on her and made sure everything was all right. They checked on us to make sure that everything was all right with us as new parents. And now this wasn't, Like I said, this is Gladstone Hospital, I don't need to say more. This wasn't the greatest birthing suite or anything. But I can only imagine what I would have what would have happened if I'd said to my wife, you know, you're only you're almost 40 weeks pregnant. And it's about time to have your baby. But that's okay. I've I've organized the venue. I've organized some things for you, okay? It's a little bit away, so you're gonna have to do a few kilometers on a donkey. But that's okay, because when you get there. You know what I've organised? It's a cave. (laughs) And you know what else? There's actually a hole in the wall, so when our child is born, you can lay that child in there. How cool is that? That wouldn't have gone down well, believe me. But the thing is, we're talking about the birth of God's son. We're talking about the, the second person in the Trinity coming to the world. And surely God could have ordained the events of the world to be like what we see in that, that romanticised nativity picture. He could have um, formed the events of the world to make sure that there was room at that inn. God could have sent down from heaven some five-star birthing suite in the middle of Jerusalem. He could have done that with angels around to, to look after um, Jesus as he was born. But he doesn't. He provides a cave and a cold, dirty, stinking feeding trough. 
This is the kind of Messiah that was to come. So Isaiah the prophet prophesied about this, about 700 years before Jesus' birth, the kind of Messiah that Jesus would be. So Isaiah 53.3, and I don't have it on the screen, but let me just read it. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. That's the kind of Christ that was to come. That's the Messiah that was to come. He was the Messiah who came to suffer. So this message, this, this story of Christmas is so different to what we often see. But the message I think of what God is, is conveying is that Jesus' birth was not all cosy and nice and clean and warm. It was dirty, it was uncomfortable, it was cold, it was dark. It's not at all what you would expect for the birth of God's Son. It's quite amazing when you think about it. God's preaching to us before Jesus even started preaching. And the message is that Jesus came to suffer. And the cool thing about it is that God knows our suffering. God knows our suffering. He came to walk in it. He came to share in it. And ultimately, he came to bear it on the cross. So how can that be great joy? A child is born to come to suffer and die. It's great joy because a saviour is being born. A saviour who is Christ the Lord. And God chose these shepherds as the first to receive this good news. Because the gospel is about sacrifice of the coming Lamb of God. And you know, we don't know the exact date of Jesus' birth. We celebrate in December. That, that could be possible. But what is probable is that the very sheep that the shepherds were looking after that night were being prepared for the Passover feast that was to come. Can you see kind of the symbolism there? How fitting that is that these shepherds who were taking care of the Passover lambs would be the ones invited to view the Passover lamb of God who would die and, and have his blood spilt to provide salvation for the world. And suddenly, once the message was done, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. As soon as the message is complete, as soon as the message is done, a multitude of heavenly hosts appear. Because you lowly shepherds, don't be afraid, there is great joy. A saviour is born, and the sign for you is that this saviour is going to be there for you, is that you'll find him lying as low as he can go, wrapped in cloth in a stinking feeding trough, in a manger. Oh, I've got clicks. In a manger. Whether it was a barn or a cave or whatever, all of heaven then explodes with praise to God. And they cry out, glory to God. that a saviour would be born in this way, that a saviour would come to this manger. Glory to God in the highest, that he would come to this level to bring salvation. And on earth, there is going to be peace with those with whom God is pleased. 
This is not peace as the world brings. This is not a, a message of things being all peaceful. This is a message of peace between God and man. This is peace between a holy, perfect, righteous God and a wretched, sinful man. Wretched, sinful humanity. Receiving forgiveness of sins and coming to right relationship with God. With those that please God. They are those who are overjoyed to have a saviour and a messiah, a Christ and a Lord. Born in a feeding trough. If that's what brings you joy this morning, if you're overjoyed in the fact that Jesus came into this world in this way, in the manger, and that he lived to die on that cross, if that was what brings you joy, then this is what pleases God. This is pleasing to God. And this is the message. In a stinking feeding trough, this manger, you will find a saviour who is Christ the Lord. This is news of great joy. It is for all the world. And therefore you do not need to be afraid as you come before the glory of the Lord. So the Christmas message is a simple revelation given to some simple shepherds. My third point, the Christmas message requires a simple response. It's not enough to say, wow, that's a nice story, or that's amazing, or to look at a nativity scene and think, well, that's cute, and that's nice, that's cosy. But this simple message to some simple shepherds calls for them to respond. And I think we need to respond in the same way. Let's look at how the shepherds respond. They were obedient to God's call. When the angel left the shepherds, they immediately responded. They heard the call and they answered. They said, let us go. Let us see. They could have easily stood there cowering in fear. They could have run. They could have hidden themselves. They could have sat quietly in the chair. But they don't. They run. They go. They see. They went to go and discover the truth. They went and saw for themselves and they believed. And when they made that choice, when they made that choice to go and see the baby, to, to heed the call that um, the angel brought, they ran. They hurried. They went with haste. The Greek word, and I'm going to say this wrong, is speedo, if that's how it is. We're not talking about swimmers. It's not budgie smugglers. But the word literally means to speed. And I can't think of a more fitting way to think of someone going without any hesitation to speed to run to go with haste to speed they ran to discover the truth of what the angels said and then they made it their own and the following verses which i'm not sharing go on to say that the shepherds then went and spread the word and told all others about what the angels had said and what they had seen and then the groups of them went and glorified and praised god because of that so this passage, let me go back to it again. This passage ends with the glory of God. It begins with the glory of God. And in the center is the coming of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It's the coming of Jesus that brings glory to God. Because in his coming, as a baby, 
It inaugurates, it, it starts, initiates the events that would lead to his death, that would lead to him going to the cross. Jesus' birth doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense without his death. Because in his death, he truly becomes the saviour of the world. And this is the good news that is for all the people. This is what brings glory to God. But it requires a response. A response from those shepherds, a response from us, from anyone who hears the message. We can either come humbly before the King, before the promised Messiah, before the Christ, before the Saviour who was to come. We can come with a repentant heart, seeking forgiveness, longing to, to know God and to be with Him. Or we can hide, we can run, we can sit quietly. And the thing is that whichever way we choose, whatever we do, God's glory is still magnified. John Piper says it like this, if we do not come to Christ, but rather we perish eternally, we magnify God's justice. And if we do come to Christ and we gain eternal life, we magnify God's grace. So if we come to this Saviour, to this Christ, to this Lord, to this promised one in the city of David, born in a manger, this Saviour who was to come, if we come to Him and seek Him for eternal life, we magnify God's grace. My prayer this morning, and the reason I want to share this message, is that I pray that everyone who hears it, everyone here this morning, would be among those who magnify God's grace. So what's the message? Let me, let me just finish here. The message is that God is calling us to repentance with a message of great joy. A saviour has come. A Christ has come. The Lord has come. And that is good news. For Jesus came to live the perfect life that we could not, to die the death that we deserve, to take all the sin of the world up on the cross, to bring salvation to those who believe, to those who would please God. And He's calling you today. He hasn't sent an angel wrapped in glory and shining light. You've got me. But the message remains the same. He's calling you to come to the one He sent. He's calling you to come before Jesus, who is the Christ, who is the Lord. This morning, will you heed His call? Will you heed his call? Let me pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this wonderful message, this wonderful announcement, this picture we have delivered to some shepherds that a saviour is born in Bethlehem, that in him we have life eternal and we can come in dirty, stinky, filthy, sheep ridden rags and you accept us as we come repentant and you provide us eternal life. You are our saviour from sin, a saviour from suffering, a saviour from oppression, a saviour from this world. And God, I just pray for everyone here that they would come before this saviour and know this eternal life. Amen. How about we just stand this morning and
contemplate, reflect on that reality, that truth. Do you know, I think we can get a little, um, uh, you know, I can't speak for all of us, of course, but sometimes just the simple message of the good news of Jesus. Let's never become used to it. Let's never become, I suppose, um, a little, you know, uh, in a sense, oh, it happened. But you know what? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have life that God promises without it. We wouldn't have the reality of, of having bl- being blessed or the reality of, of one day, uh, you know, finding ourselves in a heavenly place as we pass from this life to the next. It's because of the message. It's because of this truth. This simpleness of it is incredible. It's not complicated, but it's reality for us. And uh, as Scott prayed, my prayer would be that we would take that message too. And uh, this Christmas, it would be more than just, uh, you know, the food, which I love, and the family and the times. But we would just reverence and acknowledge the reality. Our salvation is so precious and so important. So let's have a wonderful Christmas because of Jesus and not just the holiday. Come on, let's just worship one more time as we close this morning. Thank you, Father. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dust. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Redeem the whole creation, you did not.